Welcome to The Spotlight with the Ambassador and the Chief. In this program, we take a fresh look at some of today's challenges from the economy, education, politics, security, defense, and much more. You'll be prompted to see and think about things just a bit differently. Now, here are your hosts, Ambassador Harry Thomas and Chief Alex Morales. Welcome to The Spotlight. We are your hosts, Ambassador Retired Harry Thomas. And the chief, retire as well. Harry, who do we have today? We have Syracuse's greatest woman basketball player, Erica Morrow, who's going to tell us about her life in basketball. And, and just because she's my cousin doesn't mean she wasn't the greatest <laughs> basketball player. But um, facts don't lie. So welcome, Erica. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. I'm excited. It's my first podcast, so let's do it. <laughs> awesome. Thank you for taking the time. So please, Erica, tell us about yourself. Uh, well, I'll start off pretty basic. I was, I'm 31. I was born in Long Island, New York, so I'm from Long Island. Uh, I have two sisters, mom, dad, big family, obviously, on both sides, Um I'm currently a women's basketball coach at Syracuse University as my alma mater. So it's really, really nice to be back. Played uh, in a few different countries in Europe, traveled the world. And yeah, just, just pretty much had a, had a great time, you know, just living my life, enjoying it. Oh, great. Go ahead, Harry. So let's center on a little bit on basketball. When did you start playing basketball and why did you choose this sport? Uh, so I, I actually started a little bit earlier than my family knew. Um, and I'm speaking on my, mom, on my mom's side of the family. Uh, I started probably playing around about eight years old. And mainly because my mom worked in the city. My dad also worked in New York City. They were both teachers and we lived in Long Island. So after school, I would go to my grandmother's house. And it just happened to be a, a, a block full of boys. I think it was probably three girls and maybe about seven to eight boys. And they played basketball. So that was kind of what I was forced to play. Um, and then, yeah, there's a whole like little short story about how my mom family found out I started playing. But yeah, I started around seven to eight years old. Well, your dad was a really good basketball player. <laughs> so he says. So he yeah. says. So was your um, uncle. Yeah, I was going to say Uncle Rodney, my uncle, my dad's older brother. And uh, yeah, they talk about it. So he always says, oh, you, you know, I went to school with Dr. J. And I'm like, oh, goodness. Here goes the story. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Well, but Tell us about then uh, your high school experience playing ball because, uh, you know, you were saying that you used to take it down with the guys. So <laughs> you, you, you have uh, learned from the hard way, I guess. Yeah, I so I was playing and I, I went to, you know, I grew up in Long Island and I was when I was in seventh grade. I was obviously still in middle school, but because we were within a school district, you know, within our town, I went to Copeg Middle School. I was, let's just say, I mean, I don't like to really talk about myself, but let's just say the coaches from the high school kind of caught winds of me. So when I was in seventh and eighth grade, I actually played varsity for the high school team. Oh, wow. Well, I actually kind of a cheat code. I've actually got six years of varsity under my belt because, you know, I went to um, I went to the middle school. So while I was in middle school in seventh and eighth grade, we actually did win the state championship. So I've actually got six state championships, but we won the state championship. So when you win the state championship, we went upstate New York to the Federation. That's where the public school, state school, the city school, and the Catholic champions play each other. While I was there, one of the parents from our JV team had actually went to Murray Bertram, where, where I ended up going to school in New York City, and played for my coach. So she just, you know, just introduced us. And the coach, he ended up saying, you know, that... um you know, you were really good. And I was telling him that my family was moving to New York City and I would be looking for a high school. Uh, and it was between actually Christ the King, most likely it would have been Christ the King or 
the public school. So uh, once we moved to New York City, uh, I was looking for a high school and yeah, I ended up at Murray Bertram High School in, in Manhattan. That's oh, wow. It was, just, it was literally just at the right place in the right time. <laughs> like literally. <laughs> hey, you were in that game where your, your backmate scored a uh, hundred points, right? Yeah. You know what? Everyone still to this day asks me that. It's funny. I actually, I was sick with like a stomach virus and I didn't go to school that day. And in public school in New York City, if you don't go to school during the day, you can't play in the I'm game. Playing. So it's funny. I'm, I'm at home and people are calling me like, oh, my God, like how many assists did you have? Because there actually there is no footage of that game. Wow. And oh, there's wow. no footage of that game because and I hate to say this, but in those days at Murray Bertram, it was not abnormal for us to beat a team by 100 points. I've probably beaten the team by close to 100 points over 20 times, 20, 30 times. And that's sad. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm talking with me maybe playing like 15 minutes and then the rest of my teammates still. We were the, the level wow. just so different. So when they were like, oh, okay, you know, I'm like, oh, well, I don't feel good. I, I have been sick. My mom's like, you're going to stay home. I didn't think that the game would be remotely close. So I wasn't there. But yeah, so I, I did play with Epiphany Prince. So you received numerous scholarship offers. What was that experience like? Oh, at first it was pretty exciting. I actually got my first letter when I was in seventh grade. Um, and I remember oh, wow. I so excited. My first, not really offer letter, but letter of interest uh, from Fa uh, Fairleigh Dickinson. So that was like one of my first, but, um, so it was, it was fun then, but once it kind of got down to, you know, me becoming like a McDonald's all American and all of those things, that's when it like really ramped up and I was getting 20 and 30 letters a day calls constantly. Um, it was tough. It was tough because as a 17 year old, you spend so much time, you know, talking to these coaches and building relationships with a, with a lot of them. And then it literally comes down to a day where it's like, okay, you need to make a decision. And as a 17 year old, you know, it was, it was a little tough for me to kind of tell some of these people that I built great relationships with like, no, I know we've been talking for years, but no, I don't want to come to your school. So it was tough, but uh, I'm happy with the choice I made. So hold on. I just, it, it passed by me. You just throw something there and I just think catch it. Did you just say that you were McDonald's American? Oh, yes. <laughs> that was a long time just ago. Like, so. Just like nothing. Yeah, when I got McDonald's. So oh, how, was that like, experience? Was how was that experience? Talk, tell us. Uh, it was a... Uh... So this is the McDonald's tournament, right? Where all the top schools get invited by invitation to play. Well, they we have, have, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Go ahead, go ahead. No, they have one, but they also have what we call the McDonald's All-American Game, and that is the top 24 players in the country. So they, they have, there's a tournament, I'm pretty sure, I think they have a sponsored tournament, but there's a there's an actual one all-star game, and it's it's kind of like a three-day thing. You, you do different charity events, you do different, you know, dunk contests, three-point shooting contests, all those. So it's, it's just the top, 24 players, you know, they have an East and West top 24 players in the country. You, you come and you go to a location. Uh, mine was in Louisville, Louis Louisville, Kentucky. Okay. So I, my, my game was in Louisville, uh, in 2007. Yeah. So that's why I was like, Oh yeah, that was a, a long time ago, but, uh, yeah, so it was, it was fun. It was, that process was interesting. I actually, to be honest, I was, very like underrated. I played on a really, really good AAU team. So I was, I mean, playing with Epiphany Prince, Kia Vaughn, Anjale Barrett, Shanika Smith, Nicole Michael, all of these girls who went to, you know, who are in the WNBA drafted. So I played with them. Um, they weren't my year, but I played with them. So I always felt kind of not overshadowed, but there was always like, okay, like it wasn't like I was the one just standing out every game because I played with all other, all of those other girls were, were pretty much McDonald's all Americans, Kia, Epiphany. So unlike other teams where it's like all 17 year olds, you know, 
So all those girls are of the same age. So I wasn't sure if I was going to make it because because to be honest, I never really played against my age group. I always played girls that were older. So I wasn't sure always how I ranked, you know, amongst my age. So I got the call and um, yeah, I was I was super excited. Like that's like that's that was that's probably one of the better moments of like that recruiting process and during that time before college. Oh, wow. By the way, Harry, I played in McDonald tournament in Puerto Rico, but I wasn't that good. And we got to uh, play against like one of the top team in the island. And we got beat down the first <laughs> game, you know, because, but, you know, it was a good experience, I guess. Right. Well, that is amazing. Uh, what advice you give to teenagers choosing a college, you know? You mentioned that, you know, you got to approach to a lot of college, you know, what, what advice you, you give them? I would, I would 100% say that, and it was something that I personally experienced and a lot of, you know, I'm, I was glad that I had like my family and, and, you know, who were, who were very in tune with the process and, and really understood what needed to go into me playing uh, and being successful. I would say The names don't always matter. Okay. Like I went to Syracuse university at that time before I got to Syracuse university, their record was nine and 22, oh, nine wins, wow. 22 losses. We completely turned that program around. And in 2016, they were just in a national championship game. Every, every year we've had, you know, NCAA appearances, 20 plus wins, ranks, you know, beating ranked teams. I was, offered by mostly all of the all of the top schools in the country but for me the biggest thing was I didn't want to be like I didn't want to be just one of the pieces to the puzzle you know I never was that type of person um I wanted to actually be an impact like I have an impact personality I didn't want to just go be another All-American on a list. Like I wanted to do something big because that's just, that's just how I am. So I would say find the right coaching staff, um, find the right fit for what it is you want to do as a basketball player. If you want to go somewhere, you want to be great, then you've got to look at a situation realistically and say, okay, where do I fit in here? How can I develop myself here? is this coaching staff going to be on board to get me where I'm going? Uh, and, and yeah, I mean, you see in WNBA, there are not only, you know, players from UConn and Baylor and Stanford, you've got girls, you've got girls who played, you know, in, in mid majors, you've got girls who are, you know, having played college basketball, they're coming from overseas in, in small programs. So it's not about the name. It's, it's more so about what you need to be as a, what do you feel you need to be as a great player? Wow. That's, that's well, why did you choose the cues then? I chose the cues because of the coach really. Uh, He had the, the right personality to, for a lack of better terms, be able to handle my personality. I was a bit of a firecracker. I needed, I needed someone who could, who could really match that energy and, and, and challenge me. But also, one of the things that I always say, you know, I tell when, when I'm asked this question, he told me that, uh, he said, listen, yeah, I know you could go to these other schools, he said, but I can just tell you that There are going to be some days that you're going to like me and some days you're not going to like me. He said, I'm going to push you. He said, I'm going to push you to your limit. You know, he's in, and he told me, he said, we're going to go as you go. So the pressure is going to be on. It's just a matter of if you want that pressure, he said, I'm going to give you, you know, I'm going to give you all the tools, all the resources for you to be great. And, uh, Yeah, I like that. My mom liked it. It was closer home. You know, Syracuse is a four-hour, five-hour drive from the city. So it was, it, it kind of all made sense. And yeah, I mean, I don't regret it. I could have, I actually, it was a school, I, I could have been a national champion for one of the schools that I, I was, I was actually like wanted to go to, could have been a, a, a national champion, but I, I wouldn't, I don't regret it at all. And with no regrets, we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. <laughs> 
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Turn every weekend into a fun storytime adventure with Jesse Jameson and Friends. Each week, Jesse brings on a new guest with a great real-life story to share. And he tests the limits of some of his friends' storytelling abilities with fun questions and outrageous comments. If you have a story worth telling, you can be a part of the show, too. Listen to Jesse Jameson and Friends every Sunday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Want an insider's pass to everything that goes on in Hollywood? Join Summer Helene every week for Behind the Scenes. Summer Helene is known as the Duchess of Hollywood because she knows the insiders, legends, and celebs and brings the stories, the gossip, and the backstage scoop. It's the real Hollywood, though. So this program is for adults only. Behind the Scenes can be heard live every Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to The Spotlight with the Ambassador and the Chief. If you have a question or a comment about the program, drop us a line via email to support at dbaeecsolutions.com. Again, that's support at dbaeecsolutions.com. Now back to the spotlight. And we're back with Erica Monroe that I just discovered in All American. And so please, Erica, uh, you have a honorable mention of All America. How did Syracuse do in basketball when you were there? We had some up and down moments, uh, but we did make it to the, for the first time ever, make it to the NCAA tournament. That was a, a like, a, again, I told you they were, the university had was nine and 22 the year before. Uh, so we made NCAA tournament and, you know, we made it to the NIT and we beat, we beat a handful of, of ranked opponents. It was, it was a really good start. And I think ever since then we've, consistently had or the majority of the time they've had uh, top 10 recruiting classes. So like coach said, you know, we could be the start of my class or, or, or my decision to go, there could be the start of something big. It, it really, it really um, turned out to be what he said, because even, you know, like I said, to be in a national championship game in 2016, that was five years after I graduated. So, so they, he turned, he was able to turn that over really, really quickly. So yeah, we, we did, we did well. We definitely did a, we did a really good job. So Erica, you have a bachelor's degree in information systems and a technology and a master's degree from the famous Newhouse School of Communications. (laughs) Please tell us about your studies. Why did you choose this major and how do you plan to use it? Are you using it? Well, uh, (laughs) yes. Information systems, so IT, information systems and technology, IT, I wanted to be an engineer, okay? So so originally when I first decided, you know, I was obviously going to college, what I want to do, I wanted to be a computer engineer. I love the programming and, and all the, you know, the, the languages, which is what I ended up doing. But what I really, really liked was just like putting together, working with my hands, putting things together. Like I, I, I loved like looking at computers and then seeing all the little components and pieces. So that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a computer engineer, but being a full-time division one athlete playing at that time in the big East, which was probably the best conference in the country. It wasn't easy. So I started off and although coach told me, Erica, all right, you are not going to be able to, you know, you're not going to not, it's going to be really tough in the amount of hard work you're going to have to put into it with, being a division one scholarship athlete eh, is going to be tough. I didn't believe him. So I said, no, put me in engineering. Let's just say my first semester, um, my grades were not too good. Let's just, let's just say the first semester I came back from class one day and my mom was sitting on the couch in my apartment. That's what it was. Mm-hmm. And she was just like, what are you doing? 
my mom was a teacher, so education always came first with basketball. And even as a collegiate athlete, my mom was like, if you, I will take you, I will take you out of this. Like, and I was like, mom, <laughs> what do you mean? Like, I will take you. So, um, so I ended up in order for me to continue, you know, with my, you know, progressing, uh, through my degree program or, or through, you know, where I, where I should be at each, you know, at each semester in terms of athletics and academics, I had to switch over to something where some of my classes would More transfer. transfer and where I would have room to actually retake some of those classes I didn't do so well in. So I love computers. IT was kind of the next thing. We have a really, really good program, um, what we call the iSchool at, at Syracuse. So yeah, that's how I, that's how I got into the iSchool or IT. Uh, I did some database management, some cybersecurity, uh, yeah, and, and obviously basic, you know, just IT, infrastructure, all of that stuff. Then when it was time for me to graduate, so 2011 came around, I actually hurt myself in my senior year, probably about a, um, one month before the end of my senior season. I injured my knee. I partially tore slash brains really bad my MCL. So by the time the drafts would come around, I wouldn't have been medically cleared. So I knew the next thing I wanted to do was, was coach. And coach said, hey, we, you know, if you really want to get into coaching, uh, you're just graduating. You can stay here, obviously rehab, go through your stuff with your knee and you could get a master's. So I was like, okay, well, we have a GA position open. Sure, I'll take, like, yeah, I want to do it. So I applied for the iSchool program, got in, and I was like, wow, really? What about Newhouse? And my thought process was, okay, I'm a basketball player. I love to talk about basketball. I don't mind being in front of a camera. I actually kind of like being in front of a camera talking about basketball. So what better place to, to, to do that at than Newhouse? And I... Did my application, got some some references, um, got some letters of recommendation, excuse me. And, and yeah, like about a month later, I got my acceptance letter into to Newhouse. So that was kind of my thinking. My thinking was at some point I would be able to put all this, this will all come full circle. Playing basketball um, at a high level, you know, collegiately, then at a high level, someday possibly coaching. And then as you can see, a lot of these con- commentators and analysts are, you know, uh, you know, previous head coaches and, and basketball players. So I kind of just looked ahead and said, okay, coming from Newhouse, that would have been, yeah. So I'm not using it, but hopefully soon. You play overseas too, right? Where do you play overseas at? Yes, I Yes. So I, uh, I played, I lived, well, I lived, I lived in and played in Switzerland for two years. Hard day, hard place to live, I guess. I loved it there, but it it is not the easiest place, but yeah, I loved it there. Switzerland for two years. And I actually just came back. Oh, a little bit over a year ago, March of last year, right before the pandemic started, I just came back. Uh, I was in Luxembourg for five years. Oh, wow. How was the experience playing overseas, competition-wise and lifestyle? Lifestyle, I loved it because unlike some of my friends and teammates, uh, I lived in two places that had a really, really good quality of life. So as you know, Switzerland, good quality of life, you know, Luxembourg, same thing. So that, I loved life there. Uh, To be completely honest, it's, it hadn't been for the pandemic shutting things down and me wanting to come back and be with family. I would probably still be there playing now. I'd still be playing. Uh, there was really no reason for me to stop playing, but then this opportunity came around and the season was shut down. So yeah, but I loved it. I loved playing over there. I mean, traveling, meeting new people, experiencing new cultures, uh, Given, you know, my family had the opportunity to travel over and, and see me and, and experience some different uh, places and cultures with me. So I loved it. Like I said, I, I, 
I wouldn't be here now if if it wasn't for you know corona, you know COVID and the pandemic. Wow. Hey Alex, you and I spent all these over fifty years in government. We only got to go to. We never got to go to Switzerland and Luxembourg. I was <laughs> gonna say that, you know, <laughs> and like I was. She didn't. She didn't catch my sarcasm about it was a tough place to be. That's oh, oh, that was you know because you know some parts are tough, especially for Americans to go over. I can say, you know, Swiss people—they're great people, but they are. They are very like Swiss. That, mm -hmm. That's oh, easy yeah. for me to put it. Is they are very Swiss. That's the easiest way for me to put it. Well, I know uh, friends of ours. They said they had times where you can flush the toilet and you know put the garbage out, everything you know, and they're very serious about it. But uh, yeah. Alex and I would have traded some of that. <laughs> I know. Let's let's change for Chad, for example. You go to Chad, I go to Swiss, man. <laughs> <laughs> right, Harry. <laughs> For a second, we know that we know that you worked as a basketball site director and coaching specialist for sports and art schools foundation in Brooklyn, um, served as assistant director of the Quentin Hillsman elite camp for four summers. Please tell us about that work. How did that allow you to give back? Well, yeah, that was for the sports. The sports and arts was really like it, it was a it was an amazing experience. Normally, you know, unlike a lot of people, my work time during the year is typically from like mid August through let's just say the end of May, beginning of June. So I go on vacation for the whole summer. When I come home, summers I don't work, and I'm able, you know, because of salaries obviously but you know when we're in, when we're in Europe teams take care of everything so what I get paid I take home I I don't you know they pay for my car they pay my apartment they pay my health insurance they pay my taxes they pay everything so I'm able to you know save during the year and be able to you know enjoy my summers so my mom there was a program at one of my mom's at my mom's high school which was the sports and arts in schools foundation uh And some of the kids, when I would go there, previous summers, I would stay in the gym with them and always like work out and play at when my mom was, you know, my mom was teaching summer school. I would just go there, work out in the gym. So I would have gym time. And finally, one day the site director at my mom's school said, E, would you like to be like the site? Would you like to be the site director here? Because I'm going to move to a different site and you know the kids, the kids love you. You know, my mom always shows them my games and they all pictures and everything. And they've known me since I was younger through high school because my mom was at the same school. So, yeah, that I, it just kind of made sense. I'm in the gym every day. And I actually thought I was going to be a sports specialist, just, you know, one of like the camp counselors kind of. But then they, they asked me, would I be willing to like kind of run the site and bring some of my... Uh, I'd say like my drills and activities and things that I learned, you know, in Europe and, you know, helping with the youth programs there, would I be able to kind of, you know, come there and help them with that program? So, yeah, that's how I, that's how I got that job. So that was really good because I was able to really kind of share experiences and build some relationships with, with some, I'd say, you know, not less fortunate, but underprivileged, you know, and underserved children in underserved communities, you know, that, that they had these programs. And so that was really, really fun for me. And I got some of my other friends from overseas, you know, to, to come in and they started getting jobs within the program. Now we're sharing, sharing, you know, a different perspective and, and showing some of these kids where just a little bit of hard work with sports can take you. Uh, so that was, that was really nice. I actually, you know, try to go back to, to, to the sites, When I come home now, this summer, obviously, we couldn't because of COVID. But in previous summers where I didn't work, I would always go back to the side and, and, and see the kids. Uh, did, you see, did you see anyone uh, develop to become a, a good basketball player? And, and out of yes. Funny, outside of that program, so about, about the, the Quentin Hillsman. So when I was here at Syracuse, there were camps obviously we had our camps that we ran the Quentin Hillsman camp which when I became a director of 
of the camp that was at, after I graduated. But Coach Beheim here at Syracuse ran camps. It's so crazy because Coach Beheim's son, Buddy Beheim, who is now the star of our men's college basketball team, was a kid in that camp. And he would come to the girls' wow. camp with his, his sister. Um, Sissy, his sister, would come to our girls' camp and, and we would run our camps back-to-back or sometimes, you know, half of the dome, you know, or, or we do different sessions. And to see, like, now, like, he is most likely, you know, going to be a NBA or a high-level overseas player. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm old. I'm getting old. <laughs> you know, no, talking about you. I'm I don't feel old though. Like with, with my girls, the girls don't believe like when I tell them I'm 31, but they're like, coach, you're 31. I'm like, yeah, but I, I feel old. Cause some of my girls on my team, like we celebrated 18th birthday. <laughs> and I'm like, wow. <laughs> so yeah, no, it, it was really nice seeing, you know, some of the kids and uh, when I go back now and I'm looking at some of the tournaments, the summer tournaments, again, not this past summer because of, of COVID, unfortunately, but in previous summers where I'm, you know, just going to enjoy some tournaments at the parks and I'm seeing some of these kids and I'm like, wow, I remember when you were like nine years old, eight years old. So, yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's very nice to see them and, and still sticking with it. And yeah, it's been really good. And with that, we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Today, many doctors prescribe basic pharmaceuticals to their patients who aren't feeling well or have various aches or pains. Is this the right course of action for all patients? Definitely not. Find out about healthy, natural ways to help you feel your best by tuning in to the CBD Ed Show with host Edward Cheney. Ed will explain full-spectrum CBD, where the whole hemp plant can be used for treatment, and answer all of your questions about CBD and natural treatment in general. Listen Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Variety. Are you ready for a broad look at everything to do with the world of sports? If so, tune in to the Mike Abadir Show. It's a unique perspective to the connections between sports and business. Host Mike Abadir has negotiated numerous deals in the NFL. Along with co-host Gino Bacola, Mike will bring his expertise, discussion, and some terrific guests to the airwaves. Listen live for the Mike Abadir Show every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to The Spotlight with the Ambassador and the Chief. If you have a question or a comment about the program, drop us a line via email to support at dbaeecsolutions.com. Again, that's support at dbaeecsolutions.com. Now back to The Spotlight. And we're back with All-American, Erica Monroe from Syracuse. Erica Morrow. Go ahead. It's his accent. I mean, he's saying it it's, right. It's my Spanglish, Harry. Come on now. Monroe. That's James Morrow. Morrow. Upside my head. Um, Erica Morrow. <laughs> you were you were a little kind. You were a little shy. You were MVP. I know that. that. Look at that. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay, I'll talk a little bit about it. Uh, I, <laughs> yes, I was MVP a few years. Um, oh, so multiple years? Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, I, I played well when I, once I, I always say that my, as I got older and I started playing professionally, I was way better than my college self. But yeah, I did, uh, I did get MVP a few years. My team, um, 
I'm looking for it now because it actually was really, really, it surprised me. My team, when I was in Europe, once I decided that I wasn't going to come back uh, after this past season, because my last season there, which was again, right before COVID. So was that, what was that? 19 to 20 to March of 2020. My, I was a player coach. So I was the head coach and a player. And it was tough, but we were doing really well. I think we were in second place when the league shut down. But I didn't, I I wasn't sure if I wanted to do both because I wasn't really enjoying coaching and I wasn't really enjoying playing. So we tried to negotiate some things and then COVID hit. So um, pretty much I communicated to them that, you know, I'd be taking a job here. But, okay, because I don't like to talk about myself, I'll just, read like just sub- what they said I had in five years. This is what they say. So I don't know if it's true. It said, they wrote a nice little piece and said six titles. So this is, this is what I did. Six titles, three peating both as champion and in, and in the cup competition. They said I had, in five years, I had 2,938 points, 995 assists, 878 rebounds, 541 steals. And then it says in 137 games, one last little stat to put into perspective. And this is what kind of like, I guess I didn't realize is it said what kind of winner she is. That's what they wrote. 116 wins. So in five years, my record was 116 wins and 21 losses. So um, that's just more like, all right, shabby. I would rather read it from someone else's. Hey, mind. drop the mic, cuz. Drop uh, the no, mic. No, no I would rather Harry's read it. showing up now. Harry's, you know, I can't, I, I'm not going to be able to stand Harry at the office now every time I see him because it's like, wow. What? No, yeah, I would rather read it from someone else than for me to like, I still have, I don't like to talk about it because I mean, it's what I love to do. So, but yeah. Each of you, uh, the, did it, uh, how do I say this? Uh, did you try to explore WNBA or you were saying, well, I'm also okay in overseas and I'm better here, so I, I, I'll, I'll stay here just out I, of curiosity? Well, for me, I didn't. I never tried. Once I, That's fair. Once I got overseas uh, and I started living a the life there and being able to travel, uh, I, I never tried. And I think I also, I, I never tried because how can I say this? Part of their are politics in everything. Okay. There are politics in everything. Correct. And um, some of them are favorable. Some of them are not going to be in your favor. And I just, I felt like the disappointment of, of not being, which I probably knew I wasn't going to be in one of those favorable, you know, those political situations. Got it. My personality, I felt like that would have crushed me because I'm, I'm a more black and white person. And it's like, okay, well, if I'm better than this person, then why am I not I'm playing? I'm not playing. Yeah. yeah, and yeah, yeah. I know there are so many other things that go into those decisions and people and, and places and situations and blah, 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 blah. Things that as a basketball player, I really don't care about. For me, it's about the game. And I think that I was just really nervous about what it would what it would do um well a lot of athletes like to play overseas because they experience a different lifestyle and they experience something they they never been exposed and they're comfortable and they like it so they go back yeah and and that's what it ended up like i said it was it was a one-time thing once i i had went i had gotten health i had i got healthy and i went overseas to play then i explored the idea again with my agent we talked about it. We discussed certain things. I mean, even now, like the, they just had a, a WNBA draft class of, I think, like 35, somewhere between 35 and 36 or, or 37. And there's like, there's not 37. There are not 37 open spots. So oh, if wow. you look yeah. at it for girls that are even being drafted. All of those young ladies, unfortunately, because there aren't enough teams and there aren't enough roster spots, will not make a team. So can you imagine 36 girls 
got drafted. Names were called on draft night, and third, and all thirty-six of those girls will not be on WNBA teams next year. That's just that's just yeah, that's tough. So now, if you go where I probably would have been, somewhere underneath that thirty, it's like it's kind of like yeah. where did she fall? So yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, it, it's not for everyone. And, and to be honest, back then. What they were paying to rookies, you know, again, we're still talking about 10 years ago. So what they were paying rookies and, 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 um, you're probably getting paid better in overseas and uh, with the whole package Yeah, with the whole package. And, and that's what I also try to explain to some of my, my younger athletes that I know is that don't, yeah, maybe someone's making, let's say, $100,000, but you guys know $100,000 after taxes, after health insurance, after rent, after car, no car, car insurance, after all that hits is nowhere near 100000 Whereas it's like, okay, if maybe you make, you know, let's say someone makes five, $6,000 a month overseas, that's yours. That's free. That's all completely for you, right? Yeah, I mean, because a lot of the packages, again, my package was when I was overseas, my flights were taken care of, my rent, my utilities, my car, no car note, my health insurance, and I also was able to get one meal a day paid for. So what did I what did I <laughs> so I'm bringing home I'm bringing that home whereas you know when you are which I'm experiencing now in this working world because I see what I make and then I see my check and I'm like this math does not add up <laughs> like something's got to give um, hey yeah, you gotta so. make that salary that Harry makes and then you'll be okay <laughs> uh, okay <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah so yeah but that was, oh, that that's was awesome. more so my reasons why so do you speak French? Vous uh, parlez français? Un petit peu. Oh, I, I ça va. I, um, I understand. Ça c'est bien. I understand a lot of French. Uh, if someone's speaking and having a conversation, I can understand back and forth. And I can probably answer some things. But um, I'm actually... My mom actually bought me the Rosetta, the interactive Rosetta Stone, because I said, all right, it's when I was in Switzerland, I learned a lot because where I was at in Switzerland, I could walk into a grocery store and I, I, I couldn't find anyone that would speak. I was in um, Fribourg. I was in the French, the Swiss French area. And I that's was, the best way to learn because you got to you got to you got to put yourself out. So I was going good with that. And then I moved to Luxembourg where half of the population are expats from either the UK <laughs> or the US. And everyone speaks English. Everything, you walk in the store, everything's in English. So I, it kind of, kind of fell off of it a bit, but I can still like understand. I can understand a lot of it. So Awesome. I love languages. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, some people pick them up. I actually taught at the international school and um, I was a, a substitute teacher and I taught a lot and I worked sometimes with preschool and it's so intriguing to me, like how just people, especially more people in, you know, in European, in Europe and, and on. They speak in, multiple languages. Yeah, three-year-olds. I'm looking at three and four-year-olds in preschool. And with this friend, she's speaking French. With this friend, she's speaking German. With this friend, she's speaking Luxembourgish. With me, she's speaking English. And I said, this kid is four years, four or five. And they said, Miss Erica, you only speak one language. And I was <laughs> like, uh, yeah. Oh, but it, it was it's so like, th those are the parts of Europe that I loved experiencing and seeing and, you know. So, yeah, it's awesome. It's the same all over the world. Alex and I saw that in Latin America and in Africa. Kids speak, you know, in Zimbabwe, Shona, Hausa, I mean, no, Shona and Debeli, English, and maybe Manika. You know, if you get it to them young, mm -hmm. anywhere. Yeah. Anywhere they can speak it. Mm -hmm. It's fascinating. But let's, let's switch to now that you are back coaching. Syracuse coaching staff. What are your responsibilities, coach? Are you tough? Huh? Am I are tough? Are you tough? We know the answer to that. 
Yeah, but um, well, my responsibilities obviously were a little bit different this year because of how different our season was dealing with all of, you know, the COVID and COVID protocols. And it, it was, I really give a lot of um, credit to, to these young ladies because I couldn't have imagined playing through a COVID year and having to live how, I mean, living in isolation for the most part. Uh, so it was a bit different this year, but overall uh, I am, I'm a third assistant. So we have our head coach, associate coach, but we have a second assistant than me. Um, my responsibilities are, I was the guards coach. So pretty much my position is the guard. So this year in preparation for the season, I would do player development, different, different, um, you know, development in terms of, you know, film, basketball, weightlifting, training, those with, with the guards mainly. And during the season, if we had, let's say, an opponent, you know, on on the weekend, my responsibility would be to create uh, an individual scouting report for my guards. So in my scouting report, I would highlight their guards, what their strengths, their weaknesses are, how we could attack them, different things we need to watch out for. But because I am a very... um, I turned into a player that played a lot of IQ. You know, you get a little bit older and you start using this instead of being killing your body. I was, and I played for, which was a benefit. I played for my boss now. So our head coach now, he was actually my head coach and I was his point guard. So that was easy peasy because he is the same as he was same as he was then. So I understood what he was looking for. I understood how to kind of show the guards to how to maneuver it within his offense, within his, um, his scheme. Uh, so th- those were my responsibilities. I also, as being, which is not typical, but I was the only female, I was the only female on staff this year. Oh, wow. So I also played a lot of, uh, which wasn't a part of my job, but it, 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 it became a part of my job. But a lot of, a lot of mommy roles, you know, um, the generation is just a bit different. They're a lot more, I'm not going to say needy, but a lot more sensitive, a lot more, um, needing of encouragement and, 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 and just kind of like, you know, just the, you know, just a, a lean on your shoulder type of, type of, um, generation. So I, um, again, I, I just was more of the point person for a lot of the girls, other issues, you know, that they have. <laughs> I mean, we had seven freshmen this year, seven. So I had the role and responsibility or I developed the role and responsibility of, of, um, of, of kind of being like, you know, mom, mama E. <laughs> so, yeah. Wow. Well, I think, uh, you probably perhaps be tougher than the, male coach because you know they can't they can't play that with you too i'm assuming yeah and, and it became and it became a, it became it it was different because i was someone who literally was just in their in their in their shoes i knew how to deal with the ups and downs of it my coach is a tough coach so i knew how to handle him and, and how to kind of help them read between the lines, you know, that they were still maneuvering being freshmen and, and young ladies and still, you know, developing their game and, and becoming mentally tough and, and figuring out how they were going to play while dealing with, you know, being young ladies in college and the, all those things. So they understood that um, I always was going to give it to them real. And, and I was a little bit more, t- I was tougher on them as a female. I could be as, you know, a, for a lot of the girls on our team as a, a, a female, you know, African-American female dealing with some of the things they went through, you know, just in, within that and all the craziness that has been going on. So it was, it was fun. It was, it was eye opening for me. It, it definitely has helped me grow um, a lot in a very short period of time. So it, it, I liked it. I look forward to next year. I look forward to a little bit more normalcy, you know, a little bit more normal, living and not taking five COVID. T- I was, we were COVID testing five times a week. 
I mean, so it, well, it, it was really tough, but yeah. Well, you guys made the big dance this year with seven <laughs> freshmen. Tell us about going to the NC2As. It was, it was interesting. Uh, we weren't sure if there was going to be one, but it was, it was very interesting. I think that we were kind of, because we were in the ACC and it was such a tough tour, a tough conference. I think that we were kind of on like the, on the, on the, on the line, like we we were kind of like on the cusp of not going, but the girls pulled out a ma- some major comeback wins in the ACC tournament, and with a short team, we actually made it to the 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 semifinal. So I think that kind of, we beat some good teams, some teams we hadn't beat. So I think that catapulted us into the NCAA again. That experience, because I have experienced it before, was a lot different, but. With such a young team to have that experience and get through it, I think it was really beneficial for us, you know, as a program and, and for them individually moving forward. Well, we're about to end this podcast and we could be talking about basketball forever because that's my favorite sport. So, um, Harry, take us out. Well, Erica, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, your achievements are notable, you're inspirational, you're a role model, especially in this time of what happened yesterday with George Floyd, as well as a young teenager in Columbus, Ohio. That could have been one of your uh, players. But we are just proud of you and everything you've done. And we know we haven't stopped hearing from Erica Morrow. Well, thank you guys for having me. Wish you guys your platform. Everything you're doing is amazing. And yeah, I love to come back. Anytime you guys want me back, let me know. I love to chat some more. Awesome. God thank bless. You. Thank you so much. And this was the spotlight with the ambassador and the chief. Thank you for tuning into the spotlight with the ambassador and the chief. Be sure to join Chief Alex Morales and Ambassador Harry Thomas again on the Voice America Variety Channel.